from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. We need to come out and talk about these things because it will kind of put that superficiality, if you will, you know, down and you just realize the fact that the baby is living, breathing, whatever it is, whoever he or she is, whatever they decide to do with their life, it doesn't matter. Hey, thanks for listening to We're Momming Today. If you're listening on a smart speaker or website, make sure to find me, Lauren Simonetti, on your favorite podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Google, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And don't forget to leave me a review. We're momming today with Francesca Page, a new mom who went through a dramatic birth experience delivering her baby nearly three months early and then living in the hospital for weeks on end. Most women don't share these scary experiences. And maybe we should, Francesca. Uh, wow. And your your baby girl is only 10 months old. Yeah. So you're, you're, st- you're still in the thick of it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very much in the thick of it. But you know, I sometimes have to remind myself how far we've come looking at her now. Um, she's 10 months, but a little smaller, which is inevitable, but she's basically caught up to her adjusted age. So, yeah. What? So just take me back to what happened, uh, you know, 10 months ago. You were in your second trimester. Yep. And did you feel a pain? What made you, how did you know you were going to deliver this child? Right. Um, Well, I always suspected she was going to come early, mother's instinct about these things, (laughs) despite what doctors were saying. Um, There was a lot of not knowing. I planned for a completely normal birth. My pregnancy was great up till six months. Um, And then I just, I thought I had a backache. It was really funny. I, I was telling my husband my back hurts, like maybe I'll take a bath, I'm not sure. And he's, you know, how men do, oh, it's nothing. Um, And then it got progressively worse. Uh, I went into the hospital. They sent me home and said, it's just kind of fake contractions. Nothing's going on. You haven't dilated. Don't worry. Um, But they continued over the next two days, and they really didn't stop until she was born three weeks later. So how did... She was born in the hospital? She was born in the hospital. Um, She had normal vaginal birth. um, And I was in the hospital um, in the antepartum ward for about two weeks. Um, well, we, Wait, this is pre pre delivery. Pre delivery. So they so you went back into the hospital because yeah. these back pains, these yes. pains wouldn't yes. wouldn't stop. Yeah. And wh- what did the doctor say to you? The doctor originally said there's nothing to worry about. Sent me home. I came back the next day because I started bleeding, and then okay. um, they you know they they think it could be a, a number of things. They tested me for everything from a kidney infection to I did ultrasounds, everything. Um, Eventually, they concluded that they thought it might be an abrupted placenta. Um, that means that the placenta itself has a tear or a hole in it, um, and and blood is leaking basically. So, it has to be monitored. It can be a slow leak, you know, or it can be a big leak where they have to do a very quick birth. Um, but we couldn't see the hole, so we were just guessing and trying to kind of put the contractions um, on a downer, so to speak, so that I didn't dilate and give birth too early. And every day 
was another day she was progressing and developing. And so they wanted to... You wanted to, as they say, cook the baby as long as possible. Yeah. Yeah. But it was painful for you. It was excruciating. I was having contractions for three weeks, um, nonstop. There's a lot of drugs out there, which they kind of guinea-pigged me on to see if they would help. Um, You can only take so many of them. So, you know, I just kept going on and off of different kinds of painkillers, you know, sleeping maybe three hours a night because they had to keep coming in and doing tests. And I would go up and down between the antepartum, so the you know pre-birth area, down into the emergency room, back up again. And uh, it was just a waiting game. I had a calendar in my room, and I was like, she's in one more day, she's in one more day. And you did that for three weeks, you said? E- for two and a half, yeah. For two and a half. And yeah. then you delivered. I delivered, yes. And then what happened then? Because I'm imagining the first thing you want to do is hear the baby scream. Yes. And hold it. Yes. So funnily enough, when people talk about, um, you know, the birth experience, labor is obviously the thing people say is the most painful part of it. For me, the labor was the least painful part because of all the pain I'd had leading up to it. And she was only 2.8 pounds. She wasn't, you know, I could cough when she came out. Mm-hmm. But, there, you know, it was still about half an hour um, of pushing. And then she came out and she came out breathing and crying. And that was... Such a huge moment, yeah, because she could breathe on her own. Um, I had been pumped full of steroids and a number of other things that kept her developing and kept her safe. So when she came out, she was small, but she was, you know, very much a baby, um, which was a huge relief to us. And then what happened? They took her away. Uh, She went right up to the NICU, Mount Sinai, where I delivered, has an amazing uh, world-class NICU department. And... uh, you know, after that, it was kind of me trying to get out of the bed as quickly as possible to go up to the NICU unit. Um, I think I saw her for the first time about three hours after I delivered her. And, uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. It, you know, you don't look at other babies compared to your baby. No matter how they come out, they're beautiful to you, you know. Um, she was breathing and she was... She was funny. You know, she was making all these funny expressions. And it was difficult to see, you know, for any parent, it's difficult to see your child in any pain. And at that point, you know, the baby is has a lot of different things going on, tubes and, and uh, you know, fluids going in and out and tests being done. But the nurses up there are amazing. You know, they, they treat the baby like a normal baby. Um, they wanted me to try changing her diaper which I did, um, and I didn't get to hold her for the first time till about a month after that, which was probably the toughest thing. You were changing her diaper but not able to hold her. Right. There's like little holes in the side of the, yeah. the box where you can put your hands in, um, but we couldn't take her out until she was a little older and more stable. Yeah. That's traumatic. It is. It's not the story people tell and not the story people hear. Right. It is It is traumatic. And what I found so interesting about this experience is there is – everyone has a birth story. And um, more women than I realized have gone through really traumatic birth stories, you know, whether it's a miscarriage or an early delivery or you name it. And once that baby comes home, we kind of like – 
You forget about yeah. all of that pain, all of that drama, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you're focused on baby. Completely. And, you know, I, I, I understand that. But I do think it's really important that we talk about it because it does stay in our mind as somewhat of a traumatic experience. Has this affected your desire to have baby number two? Because I did not have a story nearly um, as tragic as yours. But it was touch and go there for a while mm-hmm. um, in the delivery room. Mm-hmm. And it was um, it was painful. Sure. And I was I was impacted and affected by it. And my dad said to me, because at the time I was like, I can't imagine doing this again. I, I just I can't imagine doing this again. Mm-hmm. And he said, Lauren, women have a very short memory when it comes to childbirth. You'll be surprised how quickly you're going to want another child. And I have to say he was right. Yeah. Yeah. Initially, I couldn't even imagine it. Um, well, part of that is because when I went back for my checkup, uh, oh the you know my gynecologist said, "Look, there is you're now high risk. So there's a, a high chance that this could happen again. You know, I just want you to know that." Um, it wasn't you know something I thought about, but as you know, as I said, she's become a normal baby to me. And I've put this so far in the back of my mind. Because she is a normal baby. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, to me, that's, you know, but I put it so far in the back of my mind now. And there's so many wonderful things and experiences we've done together in the 10 months she's been with me that, yeah, 100% I'd love to have another child, even mm-hmm. if I went through this again. Yeah. Well, and but knowing this, the doctors would likely monitor you a little bit more and a little bit differently. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so you think that mothers should talk more openly about these stories and share these these birth stories? I do. I was surprised when I went through what I went through, how many women came forward. Women I knew, friends of my mother, family, relatives, best friends that said, you know, I had a miscarriage or I had twins and I was in the NICU unit for six weeks or whatever it was. And I I was so shocked that I guess it just had never come up because it is traumatic. And I think it's important to air that you're not alone in it because you feel really alone. And then you go on Instagram and you see like beautiful pictures yeah. of like glamorous women having just delivered a baby. Yeah. And you're like, really? <laughs> well, but no, actually there's people, you know, schedule hair and makeup shoots when they feel like they're going into labor or if they have a, C, a mm-hmm. C-section scheduled. But it, it's really not that glamorous. I'm like, I'm, I'm happy you have your picture. Yes. But uh, what was it really like? Right. Actually, I have a, a funny story about that was um, I wanted to do something like that. You know, I wanted to do like a maternity shoot. You wanted to be a beautiful yeah. mom right in the delivery room. Right. <laughs> and um, and I wanted to do it somewhere in the park or something. And uh, I knew once I went into the hospital, I wasn't going to leave till she was born. So my younger sister... Uh, surprised me. She turned up at the hospital with a photographer and Aww. a green screen. Even my my dog, we snuck in. And uh, we took photos of me right there in the antepartum ward and um, with the IV in my arm and everything. And, uh, you know, a week later, the baby was born. How jarring was it for you to have your life stopped? You don't have a baby yet and you're sitting in a hospital. Mm, yeah. What was that like? There was two ways of going about it, and there was a lot of other women in there with me. Either you could sit there and think, okay, well, I can only go down this corridor, and I don't know what's going to happen, and there's so much unknown here. Um, or you can sit there, and which I try to do, and remind myself, this is a beautiful thing. This baby is going to come when she's going to come, no matter what. 
I should be excited. I should be celebrating the life that's going to happen. And I tried to be really positive, you know, just through the entire thing. I decorated my room. I prepared for the baby. And um, I think that really changed everything in terms of once she was delivered, I was in a better frame of mind than I would have been otherwise. Is there a stigma attached to having a preemie baby? I think so. I think that's probably been the hardest thing to overcome. In the first few months, people asking, um, how old is she? And me not really knowing whether to give the right answer, because in giving the right answer and saying, well, she's two months old, even though she looks, you know, tiny, um, you know, I then have to justify the whole story and explain what happened. And then that's a lot. You don't want to keep having to relive it. So the moment she kind of caught up was a relief for me and my husband because we didn't have to explain it anymore. Um, but yeah, for sure. And you also, it reminds you, did I do anything wrong? Mm. How did, how could I have prevented this from happening? And, uh, you know, the truth is the doctors will tell you that so much of this happens. It just happens. And there isn't really anything you can do. There's a lot we still don't know, which is surprising to me, but true. There's so much about the birth process. We're still learning scientifically. So, um, you know, I, I think we're good. this is going to develop over the years. And Do you have a friend or were you perhaps this soon-to-be mother who was very um, – very consumed with the sex of the baby, mm-hmm. the eye color of the baby, yeah. um, their own physical appearance, losing the weight right away. And do you just want to, you know, kind of <laughs> push them aside a little bit? Yeah, I think that's kind of why, again, it's important to share these stories because it does put perspective on things. I'm I'm not saying that people should scare themselves, you know, I'm – but inject some reality. In there. Yeah. I, I mean, look, when we first took photos of her and videos, I still have – it's difficult for me to even watch them because I look at them and I think at the time, I you know, I didn't see. But but it's, it's tough to see. But I think, yes, absolutely, we need to come out and talk about these things because it will kind of, you know, put that superficiality, if you will, you know, down. And you just realize the fact that the baby is living, breathing, whatever it is – whoever he or she is, whatever they decide to do with their life, it doesn't matter. It's the most vulnerable nine months. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, 18 years after that. Yeah. (laughs) When you're constantly worried. I know. Um, But, yeah, especially if you've been through something, and I have, that, you know, I remember just, like, every doctor's visit, I would just, like, after the sonogram, I'm like, okay, there's a heartbeat. Okay, yes, there's still Mm -hmm. a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. You know, that that constant fear of, like, is this going, am I going to get a baby after after this whole process? Because if you don't, you have to start from scratch. Yes, yes. And um, that's complicated for a lot of people too. Sometimes science and money is involved in that one. So it's, this is stressful. And it's stressful on the, on the woman, obviously, more mm-hmm. so, but it's also stressful on dad. It is. Um, and uh, yeah, it is. It's, it is it, I think that needs to be talked about too. It is difficult for the men to know what to do because they feel my husband felt completely helpless. He wasn't able to stay with me in the hospital. You know, I was there for weeks. He could, but I mean, it was awkward. Um, And the nurses are waking you up all night. So he visited me every day, but that was tough for him. Going to work, coming to me in the morning, going to work, coming to me at night. You know, this is the middle of January, February. It was freezing cold. And then once the baby came, we had six weeks in the NICU. So there was all that time where every day... 
I was going in pumping milk. My husband was coming to visit sometimes twice a day. Um, you know, we lived about an hour from the hospital. So that was pretty oh, wow. grueling. So let me ask you this. When you find, what's your daughter's name? Nicolette. We, Nic- we called her Nicolette um, just quickly because she was born into the NICU unit. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, and Rose is her middle name because she was born Valentine's Day. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so when you finally took Nicolette Rose home, what was uh, – that must have been scary. I mean, so you were so happy but mm-hmm. so scary. Like, okay, it, it's just me now. Because being a, um, a new mom with a normal birthing right. story – that first night alone is really scary. Like, what do I do? Yeah, <laughs> it is. I think it's scary for everyone. Yeah. That was the first time, actually, I was nervous in a good way because I thought, well, now this feels normal. I know everyone is afraid when they take the baby home. But we were so lucky because we had all these nurses for weeks showing us how to do things. And uh, she had a great uh, great nurse um, towards the end of her stay who just really hands-on showed me how to bathe her, how to do everything. Don't worry. It's not natural fine. to know that. No. No, <laughs> I, know. I don't know how people learn this stuff. I think it's just trial and error. <laughs> it is. Um, but yeah, after the first night, things were easy. But the, yeah, it's nerve-wracking for everyone the first day the baby comes home. And she was so little. She could barely fit in the car seat. All so right. she was <laughs> tiny. Um, but it, we felt like a family. And I remember that. Um, we have a dog too, and me and my husband, the baby and the dog, we we walked around outside and I thought, finally, we feel like a family. We don't feel like one person's here, one person's there, the baby's in the hospital. I'm in the hospital. We were together. And she's healthy. And she was healthy. It was just... So where are you now in all of this, 10 months later? <sighs> she's kind of like every other 10-month-old to okay. some extent. Okay. Um, it's She's going almost turning into a toddler, I want to say now, because she's got a little personality um, and grabbing things and she's crawling. And she's catching up, um, which is really exciting. You know, there's certain things you have to monitor, and I got lucky with her, but a lot of babies have things you have to look after, you know, post them coming home. Um, Her eyesight is being monitored, which is pretty common for premature babies um, uh, where they had oxygen. And sometimes the eye doesn't develop uh, the way that it should, but all of these things are fixable, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Um, And... You know, touch wood, we, we've been really lucky. She really hasn't had any... How have you held up in all this? Oh, good. It's been long. I want to say it's been long because um, I, I'm sad a little bit. I wish I had reached full term. I see pregnant women all the time, and they're like, you know, they complain their feet are swollen, and they have this big belly. You're like, I never looked pregnant. I know, and it, <laughs> it, it's kind of sad. And for anything else, I'd like to try and have a baby again to just you know, to be at that point, because that's the one thing that kind of gets taken away from you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a minor thing, but it does affect you a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been a long journey. Have you returned to work? I know you're a journalist. Yes. You cover travel and leisure. Yes, travel and lifestyle. And lifestyle. Yes. Um, I have bits and pieces. Um, It's tough to explain to people when... I can't. I couldn't let the baby have a nanny for a while. No, no, no. You have to be more hands on. Right, right, right. Absolutely. So uh, some people understand. Some people don't. Um, (laughs) Well, let's talk about that. Who who doesn't understand? I'm not going to generalize and say it's people without children. Um, But it is. Sometimes it is. Yes. Or Uh, people with like picture perfect lives that can't imagine. Or or older people that kind of have forgotten. Right. You know, like 
you know, friends of my mother or whatever. They might, and it's not their fault. You know, they just kind of have forgotten that mm-hmm. I can't just step away from the child and put her down. Um, Gosh, and that can be tough. Traveling with her has been. I travel a lot with her. You know, that's part of my job. Um, she was on a flight at two, three months. To yeah, LA. there. It's actually easier when they're younger. <sighs> Yeah, it's harder now. Mm-hmm. I did a train journey back from Boston, and it was four hours of her jumping up and down and throwing food. And but, um, but yeah, I, you know, it's it's been a long journey. She's doing really well, and uh, you know, I guess from this point onwards, it's just all the normal things that we have to look out for. Is it normal? Such a nice word. I know. I know. Congratulations on getting there. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank because you very much. That's not a glamorous story. No. <laughs> it doesn't go on Instagram. It's not glamorous. And it's important to hear. It is. Yes. Yeah. And, you're, and you are so strong for doing all Thank that. Thank you. Thank because you. Because as you're speaking, I'm like, wow. Yeah. This can happen to any. This can happen to me. This yes. can happen to, to anybody. It can. And you have to get through it. Yeah. But you're not alone. It happens to women all the time. So. Thank you, Francesca. Thank you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.